Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Dan Newcombe Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC heads to Copenhagen, Denmark this weekend, heading overseas, and it's for a special 11 a.m. start time too, folks, so make sure you set your clocks because you don't want to miss the beginning of that card. And you know what else you don't want to miss is our UFC Copenhagen breakdown, our brand new Three fights, one parlay, and one dog segment. That's right. We're going to bring you three fights, one parlay we like, and one underdog as well. Plus, as always, we've got interviews with fighters on the card. This week, I'm talking to Jack Shore, who's about to make his UFC debut, coming over from Cage Warriors. He was the Bantamweight champ there, and he's got a real exciting future ahead of him. So catch all of that content. But before you do, let me mention that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by A Story About a Fight from Rumination Films. A Story About a Fight is a short action drama film about the beauty of the violence in the sport that we love so much, MMA. The basic premise of the film is that there's a young fighter on the up and up and he gets faced up with an opponent who is being trained by his father. That's right. He's being trained by his father, so obviously that's going to cause all kinds of emotions and get him extra fired up for the fight. And as an MMA fan, I'm really pumped that we're getting another film about MMA because really, how many times have we said there needs to be more MMA movies out there? But the best part about this one is that this movie or this film is being put together by two guys who actually know MMA. That's right. Both the director and the lead actor are longtime fans and students of MMA, which means you'll get one of the most authentic portrayals of MMA ever to hit the screen. So I'm really excited about it. And if you're excited about it, you can head to their Indiegogo campaign and support them. Just go to Indiegogo.com and search for a story about a fight. Or you can use the direct link, which you can find in our show notes or on our Twitter at the pinned tweet. So make sure you check all that out. And you can also check them out at Twitter at a story of fight. A story about a fight brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. And it starts right now. Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Jack Shore, who fights Noellen Hernandez at UFC in Copenhagen this upcoming weekend. So, Jack, uh, I know Cage Warriors is a place where a lot of UFC stars have come from. You know, being a Cage Warriors champion and a Cage Warriors veteran, do you have any extra confidence or, or even pressure knowing that, you know, Cage Warriors is a place where so many of them have come from? Uh, it definitely gives me um, extra confidence, if, if I'm honest. You know, look at the the track record of the of the the stars that have come from Cage Wars. You know, Michael Bisping, Dan Hardy, Conor McGregor, uh, Joanna Jinjurjic. So, you know, there's plenty there's plenty of talent that have come from there, and, and you know, I'm looking forward to to proving that. You know, I'm 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 willing and able to join that list of, of stars that that have transferred from Cage Wars to UFC. Um, they're the biggest promotion in Europe, so. The opposition I've been facing in Cage Warriors has been been the toughest available, so it's installed confidence in me knowing that I'm ready now for that next level. And you mentioned a lot of those names. I, I know you're only 24 years old, so you got to, got to see a, a couple of them on their way up You know, when you were a little bit younger. Is there one of them that you look up to as sort of inspiration for you? Uh, yeah, obviously, um, the, the two main ones for me is, is Dan Hardy and Mike Bispin, obviously two... Two, two real veterans of the UK MMA scene, you know, been there, done it, been there, sorry, seen it and done it all, you know, right the way from fighting on Cage Warriors to 
headlining events in the UK, the fighting and, and winning UFC titles for a bit, you know, when, when Bisping's concerned. So, you know, the you look at their long careers, they, they did everything they, they was to do in the sport and then they're still involved in the sport now, even though they're done. So that's something I aspire to do. And, you know, if I can have half the career those those guys do, then, then I'll retire an happy man. Yeah, and, and most likely Dan Hardy will be announcing because I know he does a lot of the European cards. How special is that that your UFC debut gets to be announced by, you know, a guy you've looked up to your whole life? Yeah, it's awesome. You know, I've, I've met Dan uh, at the Cage Warrior shows as well in person a few times. And, and he's always very, you know, um, very complimentary to me and, and always wishes me well. So it's a little bit surreal, like you said, for a 24-year-old boy who was, you know, probably 12, 13, watching Dan Hardy fight GSP, then have him, you know, speak to me when I see him at shows and wish me well. And, and obviously now go on to have him commentate or announce one of my fights on the UFC. It's it's a surreal feeling, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of moments like that over the next few years where, you know, I'm, I'm competing or, 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 you know, in the same sort of hotel or rooms as as guys who I've looked up to and watched fight as a kid. It's, it's, uh, it's going to take some getting used to, that's for sure. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you, you grew up watching those guys, but you do have quite a bit of different style than them. You know, both of them tend to be a little bit more boxing heavy. You've got a, quite a few TKOs, but also quite a few submissions there. Is there a fighter that, that sort of shaped the way that you, you know, grew up with the submission game, or is that mostly due to, you know, who you had training you? Um, I mean, I, I suppose it's, it's a mixture of both. Um, coming up, I was always a, a massive GSP fan. You know, as a young kid, when I first got into the, into the sport, you know, as a youngster watching it, GSP was the man, and he could really do it all. You know, he could strike, he, he could take you down at any time. You know, he's, he's a top-level black belt, so you'd see him pull off them slick submissions from time to time. Um, and that was always something I wanted to do, you know. I wanted to be one of those guys that you, you couldn't really pick a weak area for, you know. You, you'd, I always wanted to be someone you could you would look at and then you'd think, you know, whether I stand, wrestle or, str- or, or grapple with him is going to be a tough night everywhere. Um, as alongside that, obviously, the, the gym I come from, our, our wrestling and jiu-jitsu coaches are a very high level, Um the last couple of years, we've brought in high-level striking coaches, but for a long time, you know, our foundation was our wrestling and our grappling. So I suppose that that's also contributed to the factor as well. Makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, you, you know, you're making your debut in Copenhagen, which is, you know, not exactly a hometown fight, but you're getting a fight in Europe for your UFC debut. How important is that to you? And would you have rather had it somewhere bigger, you know, like, uh, you know, Vegas or, or a bigger city like that? Um, it, it's nice for me, obviously, the, you know, it's a two-hour flight for me to, to get to Copenhagen, so it's not a massive amount of travel, I'm not going to have to deal with a time change, you know, and, and acclimatising, so it, it'll be nice to get the first one like that under my belt, um, but, you know, I'd love to fight in, in Vegas and New York and, and you know, um, Abu Dhabi, stuff like that, but look, those shows will come, obviously, I intend on... on Get, get into the the upper echelon of the UFC rank, so you know I'll make I'll soon make a name for myself, and it won't be long before you know they start realizing that they need to put me on these big cards to uh, to draw in some fans from from Europe. Yeah, and and you know you mentioned you know your gym at home, and you also mentioned the travel. I want to talk to you about Wales because there's actually more and more Welsh guys in the UFC now than there ever was with people like Brett Johns and and people like Jack Marshman. How closely do you follow all the Welshmen in the UFC and in MMA in general? And, you know, is it only that you follow the ones that are your teammates or do you find yourself rooting for all of them? No, we, we, we definitely get, you know, we get behind our own in Wales. Um, we're all, we're, we're quite close-knit community, the MMA community in Wales. Obviously, I, I train them at the same gym as Jack Marshman. My, my father coaches us both. But uh, although me and Brett Johns don't, you know, train under the same coach, 
uh, we, we do a lot of training together. Brett comes up to the gym, you know, once, once, twice a week, a lot of the times to, to get some rounds in and some wrestling. So we're, we're, we're a tight knit bunch. So I've, I, and again, it, it's surreal because I, I believe I'm, I'm sort of the first one of the new breed of Welsh fight to come through. Again, I grew up watching Jack, John and Brett. I, I grew up watching those guys, you know, as a 14, 15 year old kid, they were all established pros and, and, and fighting for, for Cade Warriors titles and Bama titles. So for me to, to be there with them now, despite being you know, a couple of years behind them, that's that's great as well. And uh, John's fighting on the same card as me now next week, so it'll be, it'll be nice to to fight on the same card as him as well. Like, I remember um, watching John warm up for a fight when I was 13 years old, and he went out and KO'd the guy in in something like 20 seconds. So to be on the same fight card as him, that's, that's going to be a cool one as well. That is absolutely awesome. And, and, you know, you mentioned that it is a tight-knit community. It's, it's not necessarily the biggest community when it comes to MMA. How long do you think before we could possibly see an event in Wales in the UFC? Um, I mean, at the minute, it's it's um, it's probably a lot down to the arena. There's, there's the ice arena in Wales, which holds 4,000, so obviously that's not big enough. And then you've got the Principality Stadium, which holds 80,000, which is probably too much. But um, I know there's talks going on that they're going to be building a new indoor arena in Cardiff that seats 20,000. And with the talent pool coming through in Wales now, obviously you've got... You know, me, Jack, Brett and, and John, who's already in the UFC and, and the talent pool coming through now, especially on the lower shows, you know, the amateurs and the, the pro guys on Cage Warriors and stuff like that. It's really deep. So I think, you know, four, three, four years time, there'll be a lot more than just four of us Welsh guys in the UFC. And I think then we can really start putting, you know, putting the acceleration on for that show to come to Wales, obviously providing that they, they get that nice arena up for us. Yeah, that certainly would be exciting. Now, I also want to talk a little bit about the length of your career here, too, because, you know, you're 11-0 as a pro at only 24 years old, but you've actually had way more fights than that. If you look back at, at your record, you know, you've got an extensive amateur career where, you know, you went through the, you know, IMMAF ranks and stuff like that. Do you feel that your run as an amateur sort of attributed to this? And what do you think about people who, you know, maybe have a shorter run in amateur? Do you think that that's a detriment to their career? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, my amateur career um, contributed massively um, to me as a pro. You know, my last my last four fights took place in the European Championships for the IMMAF, where I won gold. And um, I, I truly fought four guys there who were, you know, top-level amateurs, world-class amateurs. So it put me in good stead for the pro ranks. You know, it boosted my confidence. It showed the level I'm at. And, you know, the, the extensive amateur career, I think it helps you get all your mistakes and all your all your nerves and stuff like that out of the way early. You know, some guys, they'll have two or three amateur fights. They jump in at pro and they're still learning. So, you know, there's a lot of guys who train with me who haven't had that many amateur fights. They've gone pro and they're learning on the job. Um, but I think where MMA is growing and getting bigger now, times are changing. Obviously, it's, it is a little bit more like boxing now in the sense that the amateur guys are not in that rush to turn pro. You know, you've got the IMMAF, you've got the Cage Warriors Grand Prix, you've got a lot of good amateur shows locally that the uh, you know, looking at putting a lot of time and development into these amateur guys, and by winning these these titles and 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 these um, tournaments, then it, it puts them in better stead to go pro. So people are not rushing as much to go pro then now as they was sort of five six years ago. And obviously, with that with that being the case, is that the the talent now of new debut pro guys is going to be a lot higher than where it was back then. So I would definitely recommend I you know a higher sorry a longer amateur career because like I said, it, it helps you get those mistakes out the way nice and early. And and now, so I want to talk about your fight coming up, too, because you fight Noel and Hernandez. He's already made his UFC debut, fighting in UFC Copenhagen. 
you know, he's a really tough guy. He's a tough guy to get out of there. Uh, what do you think about this matchup, and how do you sort of expect this fight to go? Yeah, he's definitely a tough guy. Um, comes from a great gym. Uh, he's, he's a decent all-rounder, you know. He's predominantly a striker, but he can wrestle and grapple too. Um, he, he took that last fight on short notice, but, you know, he did well against a guy who's top 10 ranked. So he de- he's definitely going to come to win. He's going to come to give me a tough fight. Um, you know, I'm not under no illusion that it's going to be a tough fight. But I, I do see me getting the win, and I see me getting it done with a nice finish as well. Um, I've got a style that I think a lot of a lot of people at the weight, you know, will struggle to cope with with the, with the pressure and the pace I set. So um, time will tell, and I'm looking forward to uh, to trying to you know make those words become truth um, on the night, you know, next Saturday. You know, and, and we're excited about getting a chance to see that as well. Now, before we let you go, we wanted to talk about something that we also noticed that you're excited about because we followed your social media recently and we, <laughs> we've noticed you're pretty jacked up about the Jorge Masvidal-Nate Diaz fight. We yes, were wondering yes. before we can let you go, if you could just give us your thoughts on that fight and maybe who you like to win that fight. Yeah, I, I love both guys. Obviously, I'm a massive fan of both guys, but I've uh, I've been around it. Right or die, Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz fan again since I was a young kid. You know, I'm talking 12, 13 years of age. So, obviously, I, I, I'm, uh, I, I gotta go with Nate Diaz. I think at, at welterweight, I think he's a lot better than where he is at lightweight, and especially now it's a five round fight. You know, being being in the main event, I think that's only gonna suit him. Um, but don't be wrong, Masvidal can can end end you know end the show in in one punch. As as we've seen in his last two fights, but I think Diaz is a different kind of tough. You know, you you've I don't see anyone really getting him out of there, you know. He, he's just so tough and durable, and especially over five rounds, it, it's a tough ask, especially against someone who, you know, who's going to come and dog it out like Masvidal. So I'm sure it'll be a, a great fight and, you know, potential fight of the year and, and well worthy of the BMF title that they're making for it. I got no, com- I got no complaints over making a belt for them too. They, they, they deserve it, but I'm going to go in it, Diaz. Uh, well, we're looking forward to that fight, but before we get to that fight, we're, of course, looking forward to yours. Once again, this is Jack Shore, who fights Noelle Hernandez at UFC in Copenhagen this upcoming weekend. Jack, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. No problem, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Really do. Thanks. And that interview with Jack Shore is brought to you by Rampage Coffee. Go to rampagecoffee.com. Make sure you use promo code TURTLE20. That's right, TURTLE20, T-U-R-T-L-E, 20, and get... 20% off your whole coffee order from them. And let me tell you something. Their coffee is not just any coffee. It is the freshest coffee on the planet because they roast it to order. Plus, it's all organic so that you don't have to worry about there being all kinds of crazy chemicals and things inside your coffee. On top of that, if you like to use coffee to get you ready for the gym, they have really got you covered in that department because they've got their C4 coffee that has got four times the amount of caffeine as your regular cup of coffee. It's going to get you up off in that couch and into the gym. So check that out. Make sure you check out their dark roast and their medium roasted well at rampagecoffee.com. Now I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, the way that Jack Shore sounds on the mic and, and really his approach to fighting, I think we got all the makings of a star here. How about you? Gumby, I think you might be on to something. I think we have the makings of a star here. He's going to put Welsh MMA on the map. Uh, it's another fighter out of the Great Britain region. Uh, maybe he could follow in the footsteps of Conor McGregor. And we have a new star in our hands. Yeah, and, and like he said, too, like it's tough to bring the, the UFC to Wales right now because of the sizes of the stadium. You know, they got like one giant one, one really small one. Nothing really that fits the UFC size right now. 
but but it might be in the future. And I think if he is the guy to sort of put them on the map, uh, I think you're going to see it over there uh, sooner rather than later. And plus, I think you're going to be hearing about a whole mo- bunch more Welsh fighters pretty soon. You know what this brings up for me? How many times did we hear in the Connor Prime era circa 2014 to 2016, which is kind of another story for another day, how quick the Connor Prime era was, but how they were going to run Croke Park in Ireland and it just never happened. That, to me, is on like the same level as GSP versus Silva in <laughs> Cowboy Stadium. Like Things that I heard so much about and clicked on so many articles and never came close to happening. Yeah, you can put it in the Randy Couture versus Fedor uh, column, too. Yeah. The amount of times I thought that was going to happen in a giant stadium somewhere, uh, it never did. Yeah, and I, I think some of that, too, though, was like, and I don't want to like disparage some of the like, uh Irish fighters who were out there but a lot of them were short-lived right like we have like really big expectations right they're not here to take part they're here to take over um and then like we saw Cathal Pendred like kind of tail off and you know uh unfortunately Patty Hulahan had all of those issues with his heart or whatever it was and his fight career ended quickly and Asling Daling went went away sort of quickly so I feel like some of that you know like Artem Wobos the guy who hung around of all people so like I think probably that had something to do with it, too. Well, I'll tell you what I want to have something to do with, and that's our next segment. Very excited about it. It's all in the names. Three fights, one parlay, and one dog. Uh, For UFC Copenhagen, we're going to break down three fights. We're going to give you a parlay, and we're going to give you a dog we like. Three fights, one parlay, and one dog. Uh, for UFC Copenhagen, Gumby, I do wonder before we get to the segment, though, does anyone sponsor it? Absolutely. Three Fights, One Parlay, and One Dog is brought to you by Maroon Social. Make sure to go to whatever app store you have and download the Maroon Social app if you are into any martial art. It started out as an app just for BJJ users, but now it works for whether you train Taekwondo or Sambo or Judo, whatever martial art you train, it helps keep you on track. You create a profile. After you've created the profile, you can log your training sessions and make sure that you are progressing on time and meeting all of your goals. You can also log things like competitions and talk to your friends on there. Check it all out, the Maroon Social app. All right, we'll start with our three fights because that starts the name of three fights, a parlay and a dog. Uh, And the main event for UC Copenhagen is going to be Jack Hermanson taking on Jared Cannonier. Jack Hermanson is on a four-fight win streak. Don't blink. You might have missed it. He's got huge wins over uh, David Branch and coming off a huge win over Jacques Ray Souza. Also beat uh, Gerald Mearshart via guillotine choke. And Talos Leites, also a very big win via TKO. Two guillotine chokes in this four-fight win streak. Uh, Jared Cannonier uh, is on a two-fight win streak after losing to Dominic Reyes and Jan Blachowicz, so he was on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, he came back with wins over the aforementioned David Branch via TKO and a win over Anderson Silva via leg kick back at UFC 237 in May. Uh, if you want to know the old odds on this, Hermanson, you can get right now to minus 230 favorite Cannonier plus 190 dog. Who you got? Uh, I think I'm going with Jack Marshman. Uh, I, the thing you mentioned before about Hermanson being a finisher, you know, he's picked up a couple of guillotine chokes in there. He's looked real good doing it. Uh, I think that that plays really well into this because Cannonier not typically been finishing all that many people, right? Like, he gets the finish against Anderson Silva, but, like, 
you know, he, did he really get the finish against Anderson Silva? Is that a, a fight where you consider him like a tough finisher? Not really. And you got to remember, Jared Cannon here is a guy who's been drastically changing how he physically looks. He fought at heavyweight for a while. You know, those two losses that you mentioned that were back-to-back, those were at light heavyweight. He's reinvented himself as a middleweight, and I think he's doing a good job changing the divisions. But at the same time, I do think at a certain point in time, he's sucking himself down too far, or he's going to run into somebody who's physically bigger than him for probably a good portion of this. And, And not that he hasn't fought some people at light heavyweight that were physically bigger than him, but even as he moves down, I think Jack Hermanson's probably a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger of a guy. He imposes his will better. And I also think Jack Hermanson is a guy who, you know, you watched him take down Jacare. I think that can't be undersold. I think Hermanson is a, an absolute killer. And I think we're going to see him, you know, he's already in the top five, really making some noise in this division. That is an emphatic statement if I've ever heard one. Very exciting uh, matchup that we're going to break down next, stepping down a division to 170. We have Nicholas Dalby making his UFC debut as a plus-150 dog against Cowboy Oliveira, the Brazilian Cowboy, the minus-170 favorite. Excuse me. Dalby, coming from Cage Warriors, um, is coming off a no contest. Uh, He, before that, though, reeled off three wins in a row. Uh, So highly touted. And Cowboy Oliveira on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, he lost to Gunnar Nelson via rear naked choke. Stop me if you've ever heard that before. And he's coming off a unanimous decision loss to Mike Perry. Had reel, reeled off two wins before that, uh, including a win over Carlos Condit via guillotine choke. So two and two in his last four. Who you got here? So I'm probably leaning with Cowboy Oliveira, but I think we need to talk about Nicholas Dalby too because it, it is his re-debut in the UFC because he did debut all the way back in 2015 when he beat Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos, who's a guy we're real high on. And then if you remember in his second fight in the UFC, he actually drew with Darren Till. He took Darren Till to a draw after Darren Till won rounds one and two. Dalby nearly finished him in the third a couple of times to the point where they gave him a 10-8 third round in a 28-28 draw. So, like, he was on an absolute fire out the gate when you consider what he did to those two opponents. After a couple of losses, he was let go. And then he's put together this amazing run at Cage Warriors, which includes, as you mentioned, that no contest in his last fight because the mat got so fucking bloody that they couldn't keep fighting. Uh, It was too slippery on the vinyl with all of that blood. So, this is a guy who brings a high-action style. I think, unfortunately for him in this one, the fact that he brings an high-action style, he's fighting a guy who's got absolute dynamite in his hands uh, with Cowboy Oliveira. And I think just at some point in time, he's probably going to walk into one of those big bombs. All right. Well, uh, that is going to be interesting to see uh, as we get to Saturday. I'm really looking forward to this next fight. I'm actually probably most looking forward to this fight on the show, it's Gunnar Nelson, uh, a plus 115 to Gilbert Burns, minus 130. Burns is on a three-fight win streak. Unanimous decision win over OAM. Uh, rear naked choke over Mike Davis. And coming off, unanimous decision to Alexei Konchenko. Gunnar Nelson is coming off a split decision loss to Leon Edwards, but had a rear naked choke over Cowboy Oliveira, the aforementioned before that. Lost to Santiago Ponzinibbio before that via KO, um, and then it reeled off two wins uh, in a row via submission, a neck crank on Albert Tumenov, a guillotine joke on Alan Joban. So going back to 2016, Gunnar Nelson is 3-2 and two in his last five, 
and obviously trying to get on the uh, the right path to win streak here. Uh, will he do it? I actually don't think he will here. I- I'm leading with Gilbert Burns, and I'm I'm doing it for a bunch of reasons. One is that I don't think Gunnar Nelson here is a big threat to submit Gilbert Burns because Gilbert Burns is so good on the ground. And as a result, you have to ask yourself, what does a striking match between Gunnar Nelson and Gilbert Burns look like? And while Gunnar Nelson's got the, the karate style background and he chips away, he's also the type of guy who gets complacent and doesn't like to be the first one to strike. And Gilbert Burns has shown, even though he's a jiu-jitsu guy, he's got a lot of knockout power. Do I think he'll knock out Gunnar Nelson? No, but I, I think probably his output is good enough to steal rounds. And if he's the one landing the bigger shots here, you know, I, I think he takes it. And as a result, like, you know, this this will only be his second fight at welterweight. I, I think he's going to make a really good run through this division because his style of grappling along with the power in his hands actually makes him a tough matchup for a lot of guys in this division like Gunnar Nelson. All right. We've gotten through our three fights. It's time to get to our parlay and, uh, Gumby, uh, I'll let you just take it away. What's the parlay for the week? So I'm going to start by taking, as the first leg of our parlay, I'm going to take our, our guest of the show today, Jack Shore, in his fight against Noel and Hernandez. He's been off at negative 170, which is a really good price as him as a, a debuting fighter here. Um, it seems like maybe the bookmakers probably don't know too, too much about him. And I'm going to pair him along with another debuting fighter, and that's Mahmoud Muradov, who you might know as being the only MMA member of Team Money, Floyd Money Mayweather's supported. Uh, He's been off at negative 150. He's got absolute dynamite in his hands as well, and he's got really great takedowns, as you might expect somebody from, uh, I believe he's Uzbekistan, from Uzbekistan, and he's the first Uzbekistanian fighter in the UFC. Um, So with Jack Shore at negative 170 and Mahmoud Muradov at negative 150, you get the two together at plus money, at plus 165, which I think is a really good value for two fighters who I think are probably easily going to win their debut fights. Uh, our underdog is going to be Ian Kutaleba, plus 120. Yeah, Ian is fighting uh, Khalil Roundtree, and I think this is one of those instances where everybody's remembering the last fight's result. You know, you got Ian Kutaleba, who comes off of a loss against Glover Teixeira, but if you remember that fight against Glover Teixeira, he really won the first round, and he won it fairly easily by stunning Glover Teixeira, and he fouled him up to the mat and then eventually backed away and didn't get the finish. In the second round, he looked notably tired. Glover Teixeira was able to put him away with a submission, as Glover Teixeira tends to do against guys nowadays, right? So, like, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of people are looking back and being like, oh, he's coming off a submission loss. And you turn around and look at somebody like Roundtree who's coming off of a, a couple of nice performances with the exception of the, the knockout to Johnny Walker in there. But that being said, it, it, you know, I think Kudalaba is a guy who can take down Khalil Roundtree, which, he, you know, he's not necessarily been threatened to do that a bunch. And I also think Khalil Roundtree is not the type of person who has so much better of a gas tank than Ian Kudalaba. So the fact that you can get Kudalaba, the younger, more athletic fighter here at plus money, I think is a slam dunk. All right. You can send us a thank you, or you can send us some extreme hate feedback this Saturday if we steered you wrong. Uh, but you could do that on our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. That wraps up three fights, a parlay, and a dog. We hope you enjoyed the segment. Let us know if you did or didn't at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. Gumby, I'm going to ask that you bring us home. And I will bring us home because that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. I want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. 
Uh, I also want to thank our sponsors, A Story About a Fight from Rumination Films. I also want to thank Rampage Coffee and Maroon Social. Make sure to download the Maroon Social app. I also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. And to remind you guys to check out our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. We've got a cool giveaway going on right now, brought to you by our sponsor, A Story About a Fight. So make sure to check that out. And once again, I'm Daniel Gumpy Freeland, joined as always by Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will see you next week.